Hello and welcome to the Harmony Inspired Health Podcast, where we will be discussing all things health, wellness, Ayurveda, and topics that will enhance your personal development. My name is Harmony and I am your podcast host. I am a clinical Ayurveda and integrative health practitioner and registered nurse who specializes in women's hormonal and gut health. I am also a yoga teacher, Pilates instructor, business owner, and a mama of twin boys. My mission is to bridge the gap between modern medicine and emerging science with natural therapies and the ancient wisdom of Ayurveda and Eastern medicine. I will be speaking with leaders in the industry and starting those conversations that will bring each modality together so we can truly offer a holistic health and wellness platform that educates and inspires you to live a more simple, healthy, and balanced life. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that each episode downloads to your podcast library. Then listen up and be inspired to create perfect health, healing, and harmony within your mind and body and live your most inspired life. You, my listener, are much appreciated. From my soul to yours, namaste. If you would like to connect with me in the social world, you can find me on Facebook at Harmony Inspired Health or on Instagram at Harmony Inspired Yoga Ayurveda. Or head straight to my website where you can find out about all of my retreats and events at www.harmonyinspiredhealth.com.au. Started, I wanted to let you know that this episode has two parts to it. The first part is a discussion with Noni Croft and she will be talking about the connection between trauma and thyroid disease as well as how she has helped herself heal and strategies to stress management. At the end of the episode, I will be speaking from the Ayurvedic perspective on thyroid disease and more commonly Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. So stick around until the end and you'll be able to hear the Ayurvedic perspective on hypothyroidism and our treatment and management. Namaste. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Harmony, your podcast host. And today on the show, I have the wonderful Noni Croft with us. She is a mental health counsellor who specialises in trauma, complex PTSD, sexual assault, LGBTQ and sexuality, young adults, stress, depression and anxiety. Having experienced the trauma of childhood sexual assault, Noni has been on her own healing journey, undertaking 16 years of therapy, which inspired her interest in mental health. Upon completing her studies, Noni set out to provide quality care for others who are seeking peace of mind. 
Noni states that resilience is a powerful tool, as is the purity of hope, the wisdom of time and the magic of movement. Combined, these are the recipe for more than just healing, but transcending and comprehending of letting go and letting light in. I love that, Noni. <laughs> I really <Thank> do. <laughs> so Noni is here today to share with us the relationship between trauma and thyroid disease. But first, I would love to welcome Noni to the podcast and find out how she is living her most inspired life. So welcome, Noni. Thank you so much, Harmony, and thank you so much for inviting me on. It is a true pleasure. I really admire your work, and I think that you're bringing so much goodness to the world, which is very needed. Oh, thank you, as are you. And like I, I mentioned before we started recording, I'm really, really looking forward to your insights and how that connection is with thyroid disease. As I mentioned, I um, do a lot of work with women's hormonal imbalances. So this is just going to be a really beautiful eye-opening podcast, I think, for a lot of um, my clients and listeners as well as yours. Yes, I totally agree. Beautiful. So I always start with the rapid inspiration questions. So the first one is, can you inspire us with what your superpower is? Yes, of course. My superpower is courage and vulnerability. So I think if we have the power to, I've got a big concept that if we're always told to let go and let go and let go, but there at some point we also need to let in. So letting go is wonderful. It might make us feel lighter, but if we don't let in, we'll end up just being more of an empty vessel than, than feeling that fullness. And it takes a lot of vulnerability and a lot of courage to go, I do need love and support. I do need someone to um, walk with me in life. Absolutely. It's like you need to let go to create space to let in. That's beautiful. I love that too. <laughs> Yay. And what's your favorite quote or mantra at the moment? So this has been my all-time mantra for probably about 15 years mm -hmm. and it's how would love respond? So mm -hmm. every time I see someone, every time I'm driving, every time I'm with my wife, any time in my life, if anything comes up, whether it be whether we deem it positive or negative, mm -hmm. I ask how would love respond? So... Yeah. And it's also to myself, if I'm, if I feel like critical, if I'm grumpy, mm. <laughs> I get grumpy. I seem very positive, but I do get grumpy. Um, I'm all human. <laughs> <laughs> yay. Uh, but I, I do ask myself, how would love respond? So how would love respond to our impatience? Mm. How would love respond to our anger or our disappointment or our sense of failure? Love would respond with, you know, the gentle kindness that we all deserve. Mm. So how would love respond? Beautiful. And who or what is inspiring you at the moment? So I mentioned um, my wife is 38 weeks pregnant before when we were talking. Yeah, so exciting. Oh, so she is, in, is my inspiration. She's my rock. She's so strong emotionally, mentally, physically. And she's just rocked her pregnancy so beautifully. And to see her in this beautiful feminine way um, is just really, it's, it's inspiring. Oh, that's wonderful. It is. It's so amazing to see a mother carrying baby and just the beautiful glow that they have and just how it, it really does. It is really life changing, but it's and it's just such a beautiful process. I mean, you know, it can be a hard process <laughs> at times, but it's just so amazing what the human body, the female body can do and to create life. And it's yeah, very inspiring watching women go through that process. Yeah, it's very humbling. Yeah, absolutely. 
And what does an inspired life look like and or feel like to you? So I loved this question. I love all of these questions. They're very, very thoughtful. I think an inspired life for me looks like liking who I am and liking what I do. So not having any pressure to be perfect, mm. just enjoying every moment of, of who I, how I show up in the world and how the world shows up for me. Yeah, beautiful. I love that, that you mentioned um, an inspired life is like loving yourself, liking who you are. That is so important, I think, to, to live your best life. So thank you for sharing that with us. My pleasure. Nice. <laughs> now to get into the episode, I would love for you to share your story and experiences with thyroid disease. So yeah, we'll start with that. <laughs> that sounds, that's a perfect starting point. Yeah. So as you can see, I have a glorious scar. Uh-huh. Yes, uh-huh. across the throat there for our listeners. Yes. Yep. So I, I no longer have my thyroid gland. Wow. So, yes. I ended up having to ha- had a total thyroidectomy, so it was fully removed. Oh. And I think the most interesting thing about thyroid disease is I've seen so much correlation between thyroid disorders and childhood sexual assault or, or even any form of childhood um, abuse. Mm-hmm. And the my personal experience with it was it was very un it was very subclinical for such a long time because if you've got a relatively healthy lifestyle it can run as an undercurrent for quite some time so I had quite um quite a lot of symptoms but they weren't quite bad enough (laughs) so for about 10 years I was quite unwell with it and I had hyperthyroidism so very fast thyroid Mm -hmm. so it was only really when I reached um, 30 that I started to get the really detrimental symptoms such as rapid weight loss, bone and muscle um, loss. Yeah, Yeah. Um, you know, the sort of brittle hair and really, really it sort of felt like once it was removed, I had 20 years worth of anxiety removed. Yeah, right. It was so... My beautiful thyroid, it did such a good job for me. And I really relate it back to the fact that the amygdala, I'm, I'm huge into neuroscience. So welcome listeners to Science Power. <laughs> I love it. The amygdala in the brain, which is responsible for flight, fright and freeze, was you know, communicating with my hippocampus and my um, all of the things in my um, frontal cor- pre- prefrontal cortex because I was constantly in that flight, fight or freeze, my thyroid was just responding to my pituitary gland going, run, 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 run. And so my thyroid went, well, I'll secrete all this, you know, thyroid to keep her constantly on so she can protect herself from danger. And it just got to a point when I was finally safe and, you know, in the end of my 20s and my 30s, I was finally in a good place. And that's when my thyroid went, oh, I've done my job. I can't do it anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, and so how did you come about to getting diagnosed and then getting a thyroidectomy? Because that's, yeah, a big deal, having the thyroid removed. Yeah. So it really started, so at 18, I was having blood tests and having um, GI tract problems. Mm, yeah. a big indicator um, prior Absolutely. to um, And high cholesterol. Mm-hmm. There's a big family history of thyroid problems as well and a big history of family trauma. Yeah. And 
really then it got to so I was always having chest always chest always un, like borderline and I think that's a challenge with thyroid is it can be if it's not really really bad like really really high or really really low they're like you'll be right keep going exactly yeah it takes a while for the symptoms to like because a lot of the symptoms can be quite broad and on the blood test when you go and get pathology done it, you often sit in that normal quote unquote range, even though you're still having all those symptoms and not all of the pathology that the doctors will take um, reflect the whole um, functioning of the thyroid gland for a young person as well. Um, and so, yes, I can see it can take a long time to get a diagnosis. And by the time that you get the diagnosis, your thyroid has been um, disrupted or not functioning as well for a very, very long time. So other things start to manifest. And that's why we look at with um, Ayurveda, we start to really look at the symptoms and there's like so, um, nine stages of disease in Ayurveda. And we try to look at the more preventative and get it before it gets to the showing on the blood test. So wow. yeah, I can, I can really resonate with your story and see what you're saying, how, yeah, <laughs> it took a while. Um i love the medicine that you practice because it's so valuable i really i don't regret having my thyroid removed but i do you know i look back and go oh i try i did try so many natural remedies i've been yeah. playing for five years which i think made a huge impact yeah um and yeah there's just the the it wasn't really a rapid onset it was really when i mm, slow mm, and steady yeah, and, yeah. And massive, and even huge lifestyle changes such as being plant-based um, slowed it down. Yeah. But ultimately it, it, it needed, it had a moment. <laughs> and I think a lot of the time um, there's a lot more awareness now, but, you know, things can be put down to, oh, it's just stress and anxiety and those kind of things, especially if you have had a traumatic past. People sort of, oh, you know, she's probably got a little bit of extra sort of, PTSD and stress and anxiety and that can sort of create these kind of symptoms as well um, and not yeah really hone in on like the thyroid straight away and like we said the pathology can um, not reflect it if they're not doing all of the tests the full range of testing for thyroid disease or thyroid dysfunction um, but I, I would just like to piggyback on that and just say that um yeah, although we practice preventative and natural medicine, I do have, I'm also a registered nurse. My husband's a doctor. And so I have the utmost respect for the medical industry and what they can do um, because uh, the limb of surgery is actually one of the Ayurvedic limbs. So they've been like involved with surgery and a lot of sort of those things have grown through Ayurveda as well. But um, yes, I think going back to really, um, listening to the patient though and trying to catch things early and recognizing signs and symptoms even if they're not reflected on pathology and and lab tests um, mm -hmm. is where natural medicine is amazing and I feel that could be more so brought to the forefront to help patients get to that stage where it is showing on pathology and lab tests so yes. yeah oh I totally agree and and really I did see quite a few doctors over the years. And then once I could have, I, once I had the ability to articulate what I was experiencing, GPs and doctors and endocrinologists were all fantastic in helping me, mm. um, you know, get the assistance I needed along with practicing yoga and beautiful nutritious mm. food and, you know, 
mindful practices that supported my decreasing of stress, which was, you know, aggravating the condition. Yeah. Um, and really it was a point where uh, there was a goiter. So the, the swelling of the wow. was really, really huge. And the test, the I, the nuclear medicine, iodine uptake iodine. test. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that showed, I think you meant to have less than one. I think I had 17. Wow. So really it was, it was not happy with me, this little organ, but it had a job. And I was up in regional Queensland at the time working in mental health and the regional Queensland hospital got me in straight away. Cause I was um, 32 at the time. And they were like, you're breeding age. So they um, were wonderful. And instead of radiation, cause I really didn't want, cause there's the two options of radiation or surgery mm-hmm. with hypothyroidism. Um, so I really, I opted for something that would be permanent but didn't cause radiation. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And well, just um, a brief uh, explanation of thyroid disease. So um, if you would like to just go through that with our listeners, because there's different, like you mentioned, you've got hyperthyroidism, but there's also hypothyroidism, and then you've got um, like Hashimoto's and Graves' disease, etc. So would you like to just give us a brief explanation on thyroid disease? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm very much like you, Harmony, I deeply respect the professionals who have studied in the field of, you know, their their deepest practice. Um, I know from personal experience that hypothyroidism is where you're you're way amped up and you've got, you know, the, you've got constant shakes, heart palpitations, um, rapid weight loss or rapid bone loss. And then with Hashimoto's, it can switch in between the two of going, your body's too slow or your body's too fast. Mm. And then with Hypo, um, your body slowed down, so unable to lose weight, um, cold all the time. So with hypo, you're kind of hot all the time. It's literally like your engine's revving when you're, you're yeah. hypo, and then you're not moving. You're stalled when you're hypo. <laughs> you know what I mean? The other way, yeah. Uh, you're revved up, hypo, you're stalled. Yeah. So um, yeah. and it's really a metabolic. It is it's a metabolic disease because the thyroid controls so much of your metabolic function and right. your energy function. Absolutely. Yeah. So the hyper hyperthyroid is hype, like the thyroid is hyper stimulated and hypo is low stimulation. And then Hashimoto's has an autoimmune component to it. So the thyroid can actually sort of attack itself. Yeah. Beautiful. And so let's get into how trauma affects uh, thyroid disease and how have you seen this in your practice and yourself? Because you have a personal story with it, which is amazing. So you can really share from um, your your own experience as well as your patients. Thank you. So I, I have a huge belief that our body retains our trauma. So retains mm-hmm. it to protect us. Um, often, particularly with childhood, childhood um, assault and injury and abuse, we don't have the psychological ability to comprehend what's happening to us. So we can disassociate, we can have out of body experiences, we can um, have our psyche protect our, us, us from what's actually happening to us. And then, and, and the body retains that trauma in sort of capsules to make sure that, you know, we don't self-destruct because it would be, it's deeply detrimental. Any sort of um, abuse is deeply detrimental to the child psyche. And so when we get older, it starts to kind of, you know, particularly with complex PTSD and PTSD, which are my deep trauma interest fields, is over time those capsules sort of crack open. 
and the trauma needs the trauma needs a voice. So I, I truly believe that, um, and probably very much deeply in line with the medicine that you practice, harmony, mm-hmm. is that when you couldn't speak up, when you couldn't say no, when you couldn't ask for really? things different. So yeah. my in your throat chakra, um, the un, the inability to say this isn't right. Yeah. As a little person, like I know as a little person, I didn't, I didn't, it felt wrong in my heart and soul and morally. Yeah. You don't expect someone you love to hurt you like that. Yes. Yeah. It's an utter shock. So you live in this sort of perpetual life of shock. Mm-hmm. And it's only once you get old enough, you realise that you weren't wrong. The things that happened to you were wrong. Yeah. And you haven't been able to voice that out of like the fear. So your whole body sort of um, restricts itself. And as we say in Ayurveda, you can create um, obviously physical armor, which can be like through different toxins Mm -hmm. induced into the body, um, environmental toxins, undigested food, all of that. But there's a massive component of creating that emotional and mental armor in our body. And unfortunately, that's the one that seems to really stick, really stick into our tissues. And like you said, manifest in some way in our bodies. Um, And also with the increased uh stress and anxiety and things that come through that and ptsd that's more emotional armor that is being trapped in the body without and if you haven't got the voice as you mentioned you know that throat chakra is really closed down and you're not being able to express yourself there's no way of it being able to physically sort of come out of the body move through the body like thing it we talk about being able to digest and process food, but we've also got to be able to digest and process our emotions and thoughts. And we know that, and people might think, oh, well, that sounds all a bit woo-woo. But if you think about it, it's a stress. And when you get stressed, if everyone at home can just tap into themselves for a minute, you know that sometimes it may manifest in the headache or it may manifest in sore, tight shoulders or, or knots in the back, you know. We know this. Science proves that stress can hold tension in the body. And that's what we're talking about. So we're not going like, um, it's not like weird woo-woo medicine. It is It is now proven by science and it's fact that mm-hmm. PTSD, trauma, stress, anxiety can manifest in the body. And for people, it's different in different places and in different ways. But what you're saying about the thyroid and not being able to voice um, for so many years as a little girl, like that, that just makes so much sense to me. Yes, absolutely. I, and I totally agree with you that, you know, uh, uh, there's a really amazing book called The Body Keeps the Score. Mm. And it's an incredible book that really sums up that, you know, every thought and feeling we have translate to ev- translates to every cell in our body. Mm-hmm. And everyone deals with, you know, we've all got different temperaments. We've all got different ways, you know, different um, do- doshes. Doshes, yeah, yeah. So we all do it in different ways, mm. and that retention is important for the homeostasis at the time. So our, our balance mm. must always be, you know, maintained in our body. Yeah. So if we go through something traumatic, our body will try to like pop a lid on it and control it and contain it for us. Yeah. But at some stage, it must be resolved. So the stress, I really love the um, making sure we have discharge stress so stress has to complete that cycle and come to resolution before we can truly feel well so if we have stress and it's unresolved and then stress and then it's unresolved and then another stress and it's unresolved 
we've kind of got, oh, I call it a conveyor belt. So we have like a conveyor belt of stress. Yeah. And at some point it will catch up on us and we get to, you know, as, as personal responsibility, we get the choice of going, okay, I'm going to start addressing this backlog of trauma or this backlog of um, undischarged stress that I have. And I'm going to find ways to discharge it properly, mindfully and consciously. Mm, Beautiful. So I suppose what advice would you give someone who is experiencing mental distress from trauma to help them uh, move that through, like you said, get on the conveyor belt and complete that full circle. Like what are some tips you've got or some processes that you put in place for people who are thinking, yeah, I, they know they're suffering from some sort of mental distress and they would love to be able to move that emotion through them. Oh, you have such beautiful questions, Harmony. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. So, firstly, with trauma, if you, if you feel, if you're listening to this and you feel like you have been, you have experienced trauma, you have been traumatized, I believe you. Mm-hmm. I heartedly believe you. And I highly recommend that you find someone to talk to who will hold space for you and believe you and not judge or criticize or dampen the voice you're trying to have. Mm. Because at this time, if you feel truly ready to share your trauma, then find spaces that you will be heard and it'll go somewhere other than in your body. Yes. You're confronted I love with that. Yes. If you're confronted with someone who goes, Oh, don't worry about it, let it go. Mm-hmm. Did it really happen or question you? Your voice is not only dampened by yourself, but then you doubt your own voice mm-hmm. and it can set you back so far. So walk walk steadfastly so have the courage to walk into your trauma journey Mm. but be mindful to to really protect yourself in a in a loving way so if your family was the one hurting you they're probably not the best people to approach Mm. if some you know whoever was hurt had hurt you in the past they may not want to own up to it they may not want to believe you know they, they may not want you to remember it so just walk, walk yourself gently into the journey. And also people in the mental health field, you know, we, we are responsible for not triggering people. Mm-hmm. I don't ask people to spill everything all at once because mm. that within itself can be traumatic. Mm. So let yourself be paced. So if you want to walk your trauma journey, you don't have to start at the most gruesome details. Yeah. You just start at, you know what, I felt lost. I feel lost. That is a beautiful starting point. And even if you cannot remember your trauma, your body can. What's your central nervous system doing? Do you get panic attacks at random times? Do you have flashbacks? Do you have dreams that are that wake you up and make you feel sick? You know, your body will tell you that it's real. You don't need anyone else's validation because your body has been validating you this whole time. So just trust your own body. Yeah, I love that. You do not need anyone else's validation. Great point, Noni. Thank you. So how did you find the courage to um, speak up? Like, how did you first find that courage? Like, what were your steps of being able to release your um, trauma? So this is a a unique, I guess I'm, I started my healing journey quite young, purely because um, when I I moved out of home straight after year 12 at 17, Mm. and I had a filing cabinet left from my family that had every legal and medical document of what happened to me. So I had hard 
proof. Like I had, actually, I knew it was, I knew there wasn't something quite right. Yeah. I had actual ever like medical documents that said, you know, at age four, you know, reported of this, you know, occurrence of hospitalization. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to share it here and it just trigger warning if this feels uncomfortable for you or anyone, but you know, at that young age, you know, in hospital for, for vaginal and anal bleeding. So that was very real to me to be able to see that and go, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. It's not in my head. My body had these funny sensations my whole life. So that started my journey of going, at 17, I was like, well, this is really heartbreaking. And I was suicidal. And I I talk quite openly about suicide because people feel that way. Sometimes we feel that way. There's no harm in it to go, you know, at 17, I did feel very suicidal, but I made a choice. I could either stay and resolve my pain which obviously I did, yeah. or, or, or I did want to leave. Mm. I decided to stay and I dedicated pretty much from the time I'm 33 now, so from 17 till now, to really comprehending, understanding, finding self-compassion, mm. uh, finding self-esteem, because sexual assault yeah. in particular, um, oh. you know, doesn't make you, makes you feel like a um, product rather than a person. Mm, absolutely I can imagine I can only imagine like I'm really sorry for um everything that's happened to you and I appreciate you sharing that must be hard to share so thank you um thank you for listening thank you for um consenting to listen because often we people can disclose and it can be quite confronting and I guess it's you know really if the way that I feel like I've helped a lot of people is knowing that, you know, if, if we can't speak openly about this stuff because it's shameful, totally. it's actually, yeah. what happened isn't my shame. It's no, the person absolutely. Who, who did it. And, and you're so brave. Like it, it, you're so brave to be able to, you know, speak, speak it now. So, yeah. yeah. So when um, you did decide the first step, did you go and seek counselling? Is that how you went about it? Yeah. Yeah, so I, the first steps was um, receiving counselling. So putting, so I've, I've put myself through all my counselling, all my psychology. So I probably, I've invested quite a quite a healthy amount. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know. Could it could be in the hundreds of thousands? I'm not sure. I've a lot of of time and energy um, spent into workshops and individual counselling and psychology, and and it's all been worth it. And well worth it kinesiology and chiropractic and acupuncture and you know natural medicine to mm. to guide my body back into a state of of, of love really mm. a state of ba- yeah balance which is you know a state of love you know your natural state mm. absolutely so what um do you do in your daily practice that helps you reconnect with yourself to to remind yourself of that self-love every day I love your questions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so every day I, I am a qualified yoga teacher. So I do love the, the practice of yoga. I love the practice of breath work. So, you know, every breath we have is, you know, we never get to the same breath again. It's very grounding. It's very centering. It's something we can control, which I think if you've gone through trauma, that felt very out of control. So finding things that feel in control, such as movement and breath, I always I really try to live within my um, integrity Mm. very congruent I don't have connections or relationships or do things that don't sit right with me 
So I no longer deny my voice. If something doesn't sit right, if someone's asked me to do something and it's not quite right, I would rather be honest and say, hey, that doesn't really work for me, but perhaps you can decide something else that would work. You know, if we if we yeah. go into a business contract or if we go into uh, any form of relationship, you give that person the opportunity, you know, how would love respond? Give that person the opportunity to understand why it's not quite a fit, but you don't deny yourself and people please just for the sake of keeping everything comfortable. I'd rather be um, I'd rather be in my own power than doing things out of obligation because that's not love. <laughs> I don't want to do I don't do things okay. out of obligation at all. That took a long time. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you find um, there's a big connection with people pleasing and past assault, especially um, like childhood sexual assault and people pleasing? Because I could yeah only imagine that going through something like that, you know, that sort of, I guess, being imprinted in you from that young age that you're there to please people. Oh, a hundred percent. There's a really interesting thing that ever, that people should look up. Look up. It's called the dynamic maturation model. Mm-hmm. And it shows how we um, start to cope with our world. So yeah. on your Google it, everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Part of it is if you if you find yourself being hyper independent, compulsively caregiving, um, if you external, if you externally assemble yourself, so if you present to the world what you think the world wants to see rather than coming from your true goofy self, then you know you're you're coming from a place where they're they're just coping skills, mm-hmm. but you're lost beneath those coping skills. And on the other side of it, if you've, I find that a lot with sexual assault and with emotional, um, emotional abuse, I find people start to become, um, they feign helplessness. Um, they can be aggressive when their needs aren't met. Yeah. Um, be really quite paranoid because they're constantly worried that their needs aren't going to be met. So the yeah. two, many, many ways to be, but we can always, we can always heal. I think the beauty of humanity is that we have this incredible power to always heal ourselves. There's always hope. Yeah, absolutely. I totally believe that we do. We have the power and the ability to um, heal ourselves, but it's not easy and it's not a quick sort of path or a quick fix, but definitely have that ability to be able to heal ourselves. Yeah. So could you give us your top three strategies on how to manage stress? So I know everyone I, I want to say everyone, maybe there's some saints that don't deal with stress in their lives at the moment, but I'm pretty sure most people all over the world are dealing with some sort of stress in their life, whether they recognize it or not. Um, but could you give us your top three strategies of how to manage our stress in an everyday setting? Yes. So I'll, uh, this is a really good and quick one. The first one is self-esteem. Mm-hmm. self-acceptance and then connection mm-hmm. so self-esteem we cannot come from a place of love if we feel like the world is against us mm. so we must you know do the practice and do the work when that might mean doing the things that you love and not doing things that you know feel like an obligation yeah and it's then not people pleasing yes <laughs> number one Cause that creates so much stress. Like I know I've been through that a lot and I always say one of my universal lessons is being able to say no and to do things for myself and not 
um, trying to fit everything in my schedule to be able to fit everyone in and please everybody. So that's something I'm always constantly learning. And I know when you do overbook yourself and you do say things, say yes to things that you aren't hundred percent sure on, then it creates that extra stress that you're then dealing with. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah. you know, there's the freeze, the fight, flight, freeze, but also fawning. So fawning is where we, um, people please and try to make everything neat and tidy and try to predict other people's needs so that we don't get hurt. Yeah, so right. Fawning is very, mm, fight, flight, freeze, or fawning. Okay. You know, fawning is sort of like, you kind of like lay down like a little deer and you're like, help. But also, what can I do to make everything okay? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yep. So self-esteem. So always, before you leave leave the house, check in with your own self-esteem. And if your self-esteem is feeling, you know, low, then limit what you're going to be able to do. Because, yeah. because lo, lo, having low self-esteem creates more low self-esteem. When you have high self-esteem, you, you can fail and you'll be like, oh, great, what a challenge. I'll try better next time. Yeah. When you, you don't even start trying because you'll lose anyway. Yeah. The second thing is self-acceptance. So if you're having a bad day, you're having a bad day. Mm. It's okay. It's totally okay. It's totally and, human. <laughs> right? And one of, so my wife and I ask each other at dinner time, how did you fail today? So we don't go, how was your day? What did you do really well? We go, how did you fail today? So we normalize failure. And we go, which is great. Like, I love normalizing failure. I fail all the time. It's wonderful. And then, so self-esteem, self-acceptance. So literally, if you were a little child, would you not, self, would you not accept yourself? Always mm. see yourself as a, as a smaller version of you to go, you know what? You're grumpy. You know what? You're hungry. You know what? Mm. You don't want to go to work today. I accept you anyway. Yeah. And then the third one is connection. So... I think connection is both connection to others and connection to yourself. So I, I always relate this back to science lesson, which is about like the vagus nerve, our social nerve. So our social nerve gives everyone away. Like I, you can read people by reading their vagus nerve reaction. So um, you might know yourself that the vagus nerve controls all the facial muscles. Mm. Um, it controls our heart rate, our breathing, our gut, you know, our gut instinct. Mm. And if you're connected to your vagus response, then you can be like, mm, this isn't right. But if we deny our intuition, if we suppress ourselves, we switch our vagus nerve off. Mm. We, you know, and we can't pick the right people for us. Mm. And then connection on the other side is, you know, be connected to your world, be connected. So be connected to your partner or your friends or your family or perfectly good helpful professionals like yeah. find find ways to connect in your world that feel authentic and genuine and show up in in that connection as yourself so connection is vital as we're social mammals yeah absolutely no I love that yeah and I like the point you brought about accepting where you're at in that moment so we don't have to be happy all the time and be our best self all of the time. Like we want to strive for that, but it's not achievable to be a hundred percent that because we are here in having a human experience. And with that comes human emotions and different challenges. And we've all heard that through the challenges we grow. And it is, it's so true. Mm. So I think 
being and having acceptance for yourself in where you're at in any one moment is so important. And I always like to tell my clients even to not to put label on things, but just to label how you're feeling in that moment. So you could Mm -hmm. say Noni or I'm Noni, I'm feeling crap today and that's okay because I accept myself and I accept where I am. And I'm just going to move along with my day and hope that I can increase this energy and find some things that I can be sort of grateful for. And you slowly start to to move up that the level of emotions and level of feelings. And as I've um, said before on this podcast and in my yoga classes that, you know, emotions are just energy in motion. And sometimes they get a little bit stagnant and a little bit stuck and we need to find ways to be able to release that. And as you've spoken, um, movement is amazing and breath work. Breath work is so important because it really, really works on the vagus nerve, but also it helps to lift and circulate the emotion and it helps to bring that prana, that life force energy within us and to fill us up. Now, breath is you were talking about having something you can control your breath. It's one thing you can control. So people who feel like they lose control or that the breath work is super important because it's our one constant thing that we have right throughout our lifespan. If you don't have breath, you don't have life. Mm -hmm. So being able to learn how to control your breath and that helps to control your mind, I think is just such a, a great tool for anyone who is going through stress and anxiety to be able to really harness breath work that that works for them and there's so many different breath work um ways to do things these days like um yeah there's lots of different methods I should say with breath work that are coming to light and have been very successful to for people so just finding the one that works for you and it could just be simply sitting down on the earth, feeling yourself grounded and just purely focusing on that breath, taking a big inhale really slowly and an even slower exhale and just purely focusing on the breath. That might just be enough. Yes, I love that. Mm. I think there's, um, I think for people who want to explore a mental health journey, take your time, find someone you click with. So the therapeutic relationship is far more valuable than the actual, sometimes in the actual work that's done. And I've I've got full, full transparency in everything that I do that if, if you don't click with the person, you, you know, the idea is that you have a relationship that you can model off. Mm. This is how I should be treated respectfully. This is how I should be treated with unconditional positive regard. Mm. and there's many different modalities as well you know there's so many go explore them um my favorite has been energy medicine of um which is emotional freedom technique or eft yeah which i'm i'm a full pra- i'm a trauma practitioner in eft yeah amazing which is just the best um purely because it just shifts because and it like you were saying energy emotions emotions should flow through us they are simply emotions are simply responding to the stimulus in our environment so some things you know if you see something that's unpleasant you should feel an emotion of disgust and then it should pass Mm. but the challenge is that we retain all of them we hold on to them and hold on to them but it is about mastering the ability to let them flow through you rather than let them control you because ultimately we the self ourselves should be mastering and, and going oh I feel happy about that that's great we try to hold on to that moment of happiness because we've got so much doubt in ourselves 
that we can't maintain that but we just we need to flow yeah that's it we need to flow (laughs) so thank you Noni you have shared so many wonderful insights I've really loved having this conversation with you and I can just see how much of a genuine and beautiful practitioner that you would be so I think any all of your clients are so would be so honored to have you as their practitioner and um yeah you've you've just got a lot of wonderful resources and services. Would you be able to tell our listeners a little bit more about your services and resources and how they can reach you? Yes, of course. So I uh, do private practice. So I'm a private practice counsellor and pretty much people can reach me via my website, Instagram or Facebook. And I've also got a section on my website, which is called resources. Because sometimes you just want to dip your toe in. I get it. People just want to like little toe in because it takes so much courage to start to trust again. Mm. So I've got resources on my website, which you can um, do the ACE test. Some people are for and some people are against Mm. the ACE questionnaire, but it's just a helpful tool. Um, It's called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Questionnaire. Yes. You know, I've, for example, I've got eight out of 10. Mm-hmm. Eight out of 10 ad- adverse experiences in childhood, which can, which um, are precursors to chronic illness. Okay, sure. Yeah. Super helpful. You might be like, oh, I've only got two. But that still might mean that you, you, you have, a, you know, some things to resolve, which is really helpful. You might have 10 still, you know, whatever number you get, it's just a guideline to know what you can work on. Also, the I've just lots of resources. I've I really recommend a lot of books. So feel welcome to follow people, read books, dip your toe in, and then when you feel safe and comfortable, then reach out or reach out straight away. No matter no matter, just do what feels most comfortable. I always work in collaboration, so I I would never be like you're my client. I'm always like, wow, do you know what could be really beneficial to you is, you know, I think our work is done or I think that, you know, you might need body-based stuff before you do some talk therapy. Yeah. Like, you know, see harmony or see, you know, acupuncture or network chiropractic. You know, I like to collaborate with other professionals and support my other professionals to get the person well. Mm, the collaboration. That's the goal is to get that person well in their own way. Absolutely. I think, yeah, uh, a healing journey often requires a lot of um, different collaborative sort of methods to be yeah. able to find a what works for you, but just being able to work on different aspects of the mind and body. So yeah, I totally agree. Collaboration is is amazing for the client. Yeah. So yeah. you did mention your um, website and social, but could you tell us what they are? <laughs> the- yeah. So- <laughs> so I going back to the fact that I really believe self esteem is the ultimate goal of, of getting well uh, my business is croft confidence mm. so www.croft c-r-o-f-t confidence.com and i have instagram noni croft mm. i have facebook croft confidence and then i also run a free positive mental health group called the culture of kindness mm. so i have a facebook group which just shares things which could be insightful could be healing keeps you connected to me if you have any questions you know I, I wanted to change I wanted to change how I experienced some of you know my mental health path yeah. was I would see someone and then I wouldn't hear from them until my next appointment 
you know, you can have breakdowns in between. And so with my clients, they see me one-on-one. I do hour or 90-minute sessions. There's scientific evidence that at the 70-minute 70, 70 point, people get into their most expansive part of healing. So, and then I contact people in between. So I'll check in on you. Mm. I'll, I'll, you know, if it's going to, if I know you're going to have, you know, if you've got a presentation at work and you're super scared about public speaking because, you know, you were yelled at by your parents when you were younger, yeah. and I'll check in on you that day. So it's about building the confidence. So all my work is really based around self-esteem and confidence mm. that trauma robs you of. Yeah, totally. I love what you're doing. That's amazing. Thank yeah. you. I love what you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. It was, I, I've actually got like so many more questions, but I don't want to hold your time. I'm like thinking, oh, these things, but you've already given us so, um, so much. And I think that our listeners would have got a lot out of that. And if anybody is um, suffering from trauma-related stress or anxiety, then Noni sounds like your lady who could help you move through that. And I will put all of her um, details, like her website and Instagram and Facebook on in the show notes for this episode. But yeah. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be part of it. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Noni. And thank you to all our listeners. Namaste. Thank you, listeners. Namaste. Hypothyroidism has become quite a common disease that I am seeing in my Ayurveda and integrative health clinic. So I wanted to discuss the Ayurvedic perspective on hypothyroidism. Now, whether it is an Ayurvedic perspective or a modern medical perspective, we can agree that thyroid health is imperative for our overall health and wellness. So what is a thyroid, you may ask? Well, the thyroid is a small butterfly-shaped endocrine gland that sits just below your Adam's apple at the base of your neck. The thyroid gland makes very important hormones that contribute to the normal functioning of every cell in our body. Thyroid hormone and vitamin D receptors are found on every cell in the body. These are the only hormones that have receptor sites on each and every cell. Thus, you can see the importance of these hormones in our overall health and well-being. A healthy, well-functioning thyroid produces hormones that ignite the energy-producing units in our cells, the mitochondria, to give us sustained energy and healthy metabolic functioning. The thyroid hormones govern our metabolism, temperature, cellular energy, and help us stay alert with a clear mind. Unfortunately, these days, due to our high-stress lifestyle, environmental toxins, and a diet lacking in essential vitamin and minerals, poor thyroid function is not uncommon, and with this, unwanted symptoms can occur. So let's have a look at the signs and symptoms that may be present in hypothyroidism, that is low thyroid function. They include, but are not limited to, fatigue, unexplained weight gain, despite doing the things that you normally do and eating well, exercising, constipation, brain fog and difficulty concentrating, menstrual cycle disruption, hair loss or thinning, 
dry skin, aching joints, and cold bones. Like you feel really cold to the bones. Hoarse voice. Fluid retention, that puffiness in the body. And you can get loss of hair from the outer edge of your eyebrow. In hyperthyroidism, which is an overactive thyroid, the following symptoms may be present. Unexplained weight loss, and that does not mean weight loss that occurs from going to the gym, working your little butt off. Overheating and high temperatures, loose stools, an increased heart rate or really racing heart, even heart palpitations, feelings of anxiety and nervousness, and bulging eyes. But today I will mostly address hypothyroidism as it is the most common thyroid disorder and it is what I most commonly see amongst my female clients in my Ayurveda and Integrative Health Clinic on the Gold Coast. So from an Ayurvedic perspective, hypothyroidism is a kapha disorder. However, the thyroid gland itself is seen as a pitta-influencing organ due to its role in generating agni, metabolism. The vata dosha also has a role to play in thyroid disorders as it can initiate the disease process. Therefore, hypothyroidism is a tridoshic disease manifestation. However, generally speaking, hypothyroidism is a kapha imbalance with the interplay of the heavy and slow gunas influencing the symptoms of excess meter tissue, which is fat tissue and weight gain, slowing of energy production and metabolism, manda agni, which is slow digestion, that coldness, heaviness, and low mood. Studies suggest that hypothyroidism affects around 6 to 10% of women. This statistic looks at all forms of an underperforming thyroid. However, many women suffer from symptoms of an underactive thyroid but do not recognize them as such and do not investigate the thyroid further. Therefore, the percentage of women suffering with an underactive thyroid may be more prevalent than this statistic reflects. Hashimoto's thyroiditis is the most common cause of thyroid that, sorry, common cause of hypothyroidism. Tongue twisters in there. <laughs> Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition which involves hyperthyroidism where thyroid antibodies are present in the pathology. You can have hypothyroidism without antibodies present, and this is known as thyroid deficiency or an underactive thyroid without antibodies present. In this case, the underactive thyroid is not functioning at its optimal level and as such, it is either not producing a sufficient amount of hormones or for you as an individual and you may then experience the associated symptoms. Your body may also not be converting the thyroid hormone T4 to T3, more on this later, which impacts a chain of events and hormonal imbalances. So let's talk about the thyroid hormones. Thyroid hormones are made by iodine mo molecules attaching to tyrosine. So tyrosine is an amino acid found in high protein foods, mainly meat, but can also be found in high protein plant-based foods too. 
The main thyroid hormones produced by the thyroid gland are T4 and T3. The thyroid makes a lot more T4 than T3. The body does make a small amount of T3 on its own, but about 80% of this T3 needs to be converted from T4 to T3. T4 is known as an inactive thyroid hormone. It does not have receptors. T3 is known as the active thyroid hormone, which supports cellular metabolism and body temperature. Only 10% of the total thyroid hormone in the blood is T3. The other 90% is T4 and reverse T3. T3 plays a major role in regulating the body's metabolism, heart function, digestion, muscle control, brain development, and bone maintenance. In other words, T3 helps your body stay slender, prevent brain fog, and keeps you feeling happy. T3 has about four times the hormone strength as T4. So what can impact thyroid hormones? Well, number one, stress. If you undergo chronic stress, the increased cortisol levels tells the body to convert T4 to reverse T3 to try and conserve energy for healing. The problem is that reverse T3 is inactive, yet it binds to the T3 receptors in the body, leaving very limited receptors left for the active form of T3. And we just learned what T3 does for us. It is the active metabolic functioning hormone. So another reason uh, or another thing, sorry, that can impact thyroid hormones is dieting with low calories or a low fat diet. The thyroid needs essential fatty acids to nourish the thyroid gland and produce hormones. Excess fasting also is another impact that causes increased cortisol and stress on the body. Low iron stores, so iron is needed for the thyroid hormone synthesis, so that can also impact thyroid hormones. Leptin and insulin resistance impacts thyroid function and hormone secretion. And nutritional deficiencies, iodine and selenium are needed to convert T4 to T3. Iodine deficiency is a common cause of hypothyroidism. Zinc and iron are also important nutrition, uh, nutrients for proper thyroid function, as well as magnesium, vitamin A, D, and B12. Most of us are not getting the correct amount of vitamins and minerals through nutrition that is required to support our thyroid gland and its hormones. Another thing that can impact thyroid function is high estrogen levels. This impacts the production of thyroid hormones and also infections and autoimmune responses. So the Ayurvedic treatment and management of hyperthyroidism starts by defining the root cause of the disease manifestation. Ayurveda understands that all individuals are unique and so is their disease pathway. 
Perhaps excess stress was the root cause, which caused a VADA disturbance leading to excess production of thyroid hormones, so an overactive thyroid to start with, which then led to the pituitary gland decreasing its production of the thyroid stimulating hormone, TSH, which signals to the thyroid to reduce the number of thyroid hormones it creates in order to conserve energy. Then from this point in time, hypothyroidism kicks in as it is not producing enough thyroid hormones and a kapha dosha becomes imbalanced. If this is the case, we would need to treat both vata and kapha dosha. This is only one example of how the disease manifestation could have started. We each live unique lives with unique contributing factors. This needs to be investigated on an individual basis to make real change. Other root causes could include nutritional deficiencies as discussed, low iron stores, estrogen dominance, and other hormonal imbalances. There are a number of reasons that could have started the chain of events leading to poor thyroid health. So looking at the treatment and the management, an Ayurvedic practitioner would look at giving you perhaps an Ayurvedic lifestyle overhaul and a balanced diet. That would be the starting point for treatment protocol. Ayurvedic herbs and bodywork may be prescribed as well as panchakarma or an Ayurvedic cleanse to help increase Agni and cleanse the liver. However, the most basic yet life-changing effects start with your daily routine, your dinacharya, lifestyle and nutrition. We would also look favorably on good gut health as poor gut health is a precursor to disease. The GI tract is home to the enteric nervous system containing more than 100 million nerve cells. The gut also plays a role in hormone metabolism. 20% of T4 to T3 conversion happens in the gut. Most of the other conversion of T4 to T3 happens in the liver. Hence, gut and liver health is important in maintaining good thyroid function. Replenishing gut flora and building a healthy immune system is important for a proper functioning thyroid. Where there are autoimmune antibodies associated with thyroid pathology, so in Hashimoto's, gluten should be avoided as the molecules in gluten resemble thyroid tissue and it can initiate an immune response in the body. That's really important to note for anyone with Hashimoto's. You also want a diet rich in whole foods that are nutritionally dense and balanced. Foods that are high in zinc, iodine, selenium, magnesium, iodine, and vitamin B help support thyroid health. So eat plenty of lean protein, dal, kitchari, whole grains, vegetables, fruits, and ghee. You want to eat your meals at the same time each day. So having regular meals, avoid constant snacking, manage blood sugar dysregulation and leptin resistance. Stress management and reduction is a really big thing to support uh, thyroid health. High cortisol prevents the conversion of T4 to T3. You also want to be exercising daily, but if you are having issues with thyroid health or adrenal health, then you may wish to choose low impact exercises. 
as high intensity exercise is not advised until thyroid health is optimal due to the high stress response and cortisol release that happens when we do high intensity exercise. Now that's not saying that high intensity exercise is bad. If you have supported your thyroid and your adrenals and hormones and you're feeling really good, then high intensity exercise is an excellent form of exercise for weight management and overall health. And again, liver health is really important for a number of reasons, but one of the main reasons is that the liver alongside the gut metabolizes hormones, including estrogen. T4 to T3 conversion also takes place in the liver as we discussed. When liver health is not optimal, it will not convert T4 to T3 effectively or metabolize estrogen, and instead it will transfer estrogen back into the bloodstream, creating estrogen dominance. Regulation of a female's menstrual cycle is dependent on good thyroid function. However, estrogen dominance can lead to poor thyroid function and thyroid hormone production, so it can be quite a vicious cycle. According to Ayurveda, overheating of the liver can also cause an autoimmune response. So from the Ayurvedic perspective, cleansing and supporting the liver will benefit the thyroid function. Another part of the treatment pathway would be to balance the hormones. So regulate the sex and stress hormones. The endocrine hormonal system works like a symphony. When one instrument is out of tune, it can often impact the whole symphony. Look at your hormonal imbalance, your production of both sex and stress hormones, and work on bringing them back into a balanced state. We would also look at herbal supplementation that supports the whole endocrine system and the thyroid. So Ayurveda sees herbs as medicine, well they are medicine, and the wrong medicine can be detrimental to your health. So please note that before you take any herbs, you should always consult your practitioner. Some of the herbs that I really like to support um, thyroid health or endocrine health is ashwagandha. It supports the whole endocrine system by calming the stress response. However, it can be contraindicated in Hashimoto's. Shilajit is another really good herb and it can function as an antioxidant to improve your body's immunity and memory. It's also an anti-inflammatory, an energy booster, and it has a diuretic effect to remove the excess fluid from your body. Black walnut contains essential minerals that supports thyroid health like iodine and magnesium. Tulsi helps your body adapt better to stress. It is an adaptogenic herb. Flaxseed is high in omega-3 essential fatty acids. Maca powder, I really like maca powder. I use it in my porridge and my smoothies and it helps to regulate hormones. Licorice tea assists with thyroid, uh, it assists the thyroid gland from oxidative stress. Nettle, it's often considered as the holy grail of thyroid herbs because it's effective for both underactive and overactive thyroid issues. It is a good source of vitamin A, B6, calcium, iron, magnesium and selenium. And Bacopa uh, maneri, um, there has been studies, so research in mice that has shown that this uh, herb can increase the levels of T4. So lab tests that may be beneficial for assessing your thyroid function 
um, would be to get pathology done. So get the TSH, the TSH done, the T4, the T3 and reverse T3. Often reverse T3 is left off the pathology, but it's a really important one to, to see because if your reverse T3 is um, attaching to all the cellular receptor sites, then you're not allowing any T3 to attach to those sites. And we know now that T3 is the hormone that gives us that metabolic functioning. It could also be beneficial to do iodine studies. So that's a urine test to see if you're deficient in iodine because iodine we know helps the production of the thyroid hormones. So a final note, if you can relate to any of the symptoms that we have discussed and you feel your thyroid health is not at its best, it's not too late. The good news is that through proper nutrition and an Ayurvedic lifestyle, you can help support your thyroid health and get back on track, omitting the unwanted symptoms associated with poor thyroid health. However, if you do suffer from a lot of the associated symptoms or if any of the symptoms are quite extreme or persistent, you really should discuss them with your medical doctor as further investigation may be required to rule out more sinister thyroid diseases such as thyroid tumor, Hashimoto's or Graves disease. So if you do have Hashimoto's, you probably do want to go and get a diagnosis for that. So Hashimoto's, remember, is hypothyroidism with associated antibodies. So it's an autoimmune disease. Now, if you or anyone you know suffers from poor thyroid health, I would love to help you get back on track with your health and wellness through Ayurveda and integrative health approach. I offer one-to-one consultations at my clinic or online. I also offer Ayurvedic mind-body reset cleanses so that you can cleanse the gut, the liver, and rebalance the hormones. Um, I do hormone and gut rebalancing programs and online education. So I have an online course, which is Intro to Ayurveda, Lifestyle Medicine for the Mind, Body, Soul. And that course really dives into the ancient wisdom of Ayurveda. I'm also about to produce a women's health, Ayurveda for Women's Health online course. Now, this course may be out by the time this podcast is released. So if you would love to learn more about Ayurveda, you can book in for a consultation or if you'd like to participate in one of my online courses, please head over to my website, www.harmonyinspiredhealth.com.au. And I do have a private Facebook group for all of my clients and podcast listeners. And that Facebook group is called the Ayurvedic Soul Sister Tribe. So go to Facebook and join the tribe. Namaste, everybody. about Ayurveda or have you been called to learn more about Ayurveda? If so, I would love to offer you these teachings in my intro to Ayurveda lifestyle medicine for the mind, body, soul online course. Ayurveda translates to the science of life and longevity. Its teachings hold ancient wisdom and secrets of how to live a long, healthy and vibrant life. 
Ayurveda has been around for 5,000 plus years. It's been tried and tested for centuries, yet has only become more popularized in the modern Western world in recent times as the true healing benefits of Ayurveda are being discovered by many in the West. Its relevance and power is needed now more than ever. Applying Ayurvedic principles and practices to your mind, body, soul can help you heal your gut and gut-related symptoms such as bloating, gas, indigestion, constipation or loose stools. It can help assist with hormonal balance and total body balance. It helps mitigate stress and anxiety, clear skin, helps to achieve a healthy body weight and maintain it helps you feel deeply connected to your mind, body, soul, increase and sustain energy, increase peace of mind and support and boost your metabolism. This course will give you an introduction into the art of Ayurvedic lifestyle medicine so that you can apply Ayurveda to your life and become your own healer and health guru. You will discover and understand yourself on a deeper level. In this course, you will learn the history of Ayurveda, Ayurvedic Dinacharya, Ayurvedic Nutrition, Ayurvedic Psychology. You will also discover your own unique constitution, your dosha. You will be given practical tips on how to apply the art of Ayurveda to your modern day lifestyle and how to simplify health to get the most out of your life. So if you would like to sign up, to this seven module course, please head over to my website, www.harmonyinspiredhealth.com.au. Namaste. share a really personal story about myself and my background of how my embarrassment and lack of confidence helped me to really heal my own body but also help others live their most inspiring and healthy life. So as most of you are aware, I'm a registered nurse and have been for the last 15 years. So I've been helping people heal and I have been teaching them and educating themselves about their body and their health. I'm also a personal trainer, a Pilates instructor and yoga teacher. So I spend a lot of my time on stage with a lot of eyes on me. And... Although I have, have always eaten really well, I've always been into health and wellness, I've exercised my whole life, I suffered in silence with IBS, so that's irritable bowel syndrome and leaky gut for many years. And some of the symptoms were belly bloating, was gas, was burping, was pain through my belly, cramping, and really uncomfortable, uncomfortable symptoms. It also um, led to a lot of fluid retention and weight gain. So I felt really uncomfortable getting up in front of everyone as a quote unquote health professional and fitness instructor. 
At this time, my confidence fell to an all-time low. I tried diet after diet. I was on the search for that magic bullet that would finally work. I was eating less, counting calories, exercising more and harder. You name it, I tried it. But all the while I was suffering on these diets, I was hungry, I was deprived, and I was moody. My hormones were were wreaking havoc on me and my belly was not improving even on all of the diets because I know now I was eating the wrong things. I even tried a juice diet. Seriously, what the F? I know it is the worst diet for a Vata imbalanced person, which I was. But at that stage, I didn't understand this. So maybe you can relate and know how defeating this is. When your belly is constantly bloated, you look 20 weeks pregnant, you suffer with cramping, leaky gut, IBS, and despite the numerous visits to the doctor, gastroenterologist, and dietitian, nothing or none of the symptoms seemed to subside until I took a step back and took charge of my life, my emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. At my lowest point, I felt like a fraud, embarrassed, frustrated, and hated wearing my activewear, which I lived in. I hated getting on stage in front of others who were looking to me for guidance. So I decided that there had to be a better way. I made it my life's work to study the real science about life, Ayurveda, my body, food and nutrition and learn why I was struggling for so many years. And I learned how to heal my metabolism so I could not only lose the weight that I had put on, but also keep it off for good and to really minimize the IBS symptoms I was suffering. I finally felt freedom with food and my body and learned how to eat and take care of myself that felt nurturing rather than punishment, which led me to some pretty incredible results. So my passion now is to help others live a more balanced and inspired life using a method I know works and dates back more than 5,000 years ago. And that method is Ayurveda and integrated health. It is the science of life. I created the Ayurvedic mind-body cleanse protocol, which is a 12-week cleanse to detoxify your mind and your body because Ayurveda understands that the mind and the body are intricately connected. Ayurveda shares ancient wisdom that has been proven to achieve a healthy, balanced mind, body and life. In my Mind Body Reset Cleanse program, you will have It's specifically designed for you at your initial consultation incorporating the protocol. The cleanse will consist of preparing the body, releasing and eliminating impurities and toxins, and rejuvenating the tissues. In Ayurveda, we say the datus. You will be supported throughout the process with one-on-one consultations with myself and Ayurvedic treatments such as lymphatic drainage massages. 
you will not only gain so much knowledge and insight about yourself, about your body, your mind and Ayurveda, but you will go on to live your most healthiest and inspired life. This cleanse will give you the tools that you will be able to use right throughout your whole life. So if this sounds something that you are interested in, if you suffer with leaky gut, IBS, bloating, weight gain, fluid retention, imbalanced hormones, skin that breaks out, mood changes, rapid mood changes, then please let me help you. Come and see me in my Ayurvedic and Integrative Health Clinic. You can book an initial consultation online with me or if you wish, we can even tee up a free discovery call to see if this program is right for you. Namaste.